everything just feels like heavy. And it's mm. like, I was tired of picking up that weight and carrying on every day. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, aren't very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations, and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I am going to keep trying now. We are nine months in. Still so much work to do and so many stories that need to be told and heard. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on social media, Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. Now we are talking about suicide on this podcast So please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. I want to thank everybody who has continually supported us and listened to us now in more than 80 countries around the world. Thanks so much. And to all of our attempt survivors who have been so bold and brave to come on this podcast and share so openly and candidly, thank you. I do want to tell you about another podcast. It's my podcast. It's about stories, the personal narrative kind. Each week I talk with a seasoned storyteller, they tell a story, and we break it down. If that's the kind of thing you want to check out, maybe learn a little bit, I will put that information in the show notes. It's called Grit, True Stories That Matter. Today I am talking with Angela. Angela lives in Illinois, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Angela. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for connecting with me. And we just did this this week and we're talking. now. I know, like super quick. Yeah. Are you comfortable? You're in a safe space? Yep. I'm home. Cool. I'm, I'm good. All right. I appreciate it. So you've heard the podcast before, yeah? Yeah. I've been listening probably for the last like week or so, two weeks, maybe. All right. Yeah. All right. It's always cool to hear. I started this in July. You you know, I can look up data, right? It says how many people listen and where they are, but I almost never get to like know for sure that someone's really hearing it until someone tells me. So it's nice. Yeah. I guess I was like nervous that listening would maybe like trigger me. Uh So I kind of like tested the waters. Yeah. Like, oh no, this is actually like comforting. Like I feel like it makes you just feel less alone. That's a good goal, right? Yeah. So I'm sure, like, oh. I'm sure there are people that have heard it and they're like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Right. There, yeah. There's plenty of people that won't come on here, but, um, but yeah, I always think, I, I always wonder also if people hear it, does that kind of influence how they might share their stuff once we talk? Cause they heard these other things and that's like the way to do it. 
which there's no right way to do it, but I just wonder, yeah. about, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I just was like, oh, okay. Where are you? What, what part of the country are you in? I am in Chicago, so I'm in Illinois. All right. I got some friends up there. Yeah, it's a good city. There's a lot happening. I mean, not really with the pandemic, sure. but normally there is. Yeah. What's the all those tattoos? So it's a podcast, so people can't, they don't know this, but I'm actually talking to Angela right now and I can see her. Um, so what are those tats? I have a glasses tattoo. Obviously, I'm like very into glasses. Um, I have some hearts, some flowers. I have a big chest piece that's all flowers. Yeah, there's quite a bit. A lot of these are recent additions. Yeah. I'm working on a full sleeve is like my goal. I'm going to actually ask you a question that I don't think I've ever asked someone. Okay. If you found the podcast, that means either one of two things. Chances are you put in something into the search, suicide, mental illness, depression, or less likely it just popped up when you were just like opening Apple or Spotify. And that doesn't happen because I don't have enough reach yet. So you searched for something. I did. I think I typed in podcasts about suicide. Uh And then I was like, oh God, like my poor search browser and the weird things that I search for. Right. Like there's a record of that now, right? (laughs) Somewhere they were going to be able to. Whatever. That's fine. At some point you can't give a shit. It's like, who cares? Yeah. My obvious next question. I ask a lot of why questions, even though in the world of like dealing with suicide attempt, you're not supposed to ever ask why and I break all the rules, but so far it's been going okay. Because I'm not a dick about it, I hope. Why'd you put that into the search box that day? Because I'm trying to understand like how I got to that point. I mean, I understand it in like the broad sense, but I guess me being able to talk about it and then hearing other people's stories about it. Or Mm -hmm. I was like curious. I don't really know anyone in like my close circle or even an extended circle that I know of who have. I've had some in my family, but obviously I was young and it's not Mm -hmm. like I got to ask questions about that. So I just wanted to just see what was out there. Well, what's out there? Your podcast, lots of stories. You don't want to talk um, about any other podcast. I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. There's just like a lot of stuff out there. I don't yeah. know. Like For the conversations that you recall hearing from this particular podcast, did anything strike you? Was it what you were looking for or was it? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely some things that like resonate with me where I'm just like, oh, like, yeah, that kind of resembles my past or, oh, maybe my life isn't so bad. I've mm-hmm. heard some things where I'm like, wow, this is like so sad. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of like a mixed bag. It's all been good. Like it's all been definitely helpful to like, listen, like I'm a very talk it out kind of person. Um, so hearing other people talk it out, I'm like, oh, okay. I don't have to just keep this to myself. I could talk about it, which is yeah. not something I've really done. If you're a talk it out kind of person, it's hard with this stuff. Yeah, there's for not sure. a lot of people out there. I don't, I haven't met them who are like, you yeah, know, let's talk about your suicide attempt or attempts. Yeah, I wouldn't even like, not a lot of people even know. I mm. um, have had an interesting, not like an interesting life, but I guess I don't come across as somebody who struggles. I can put on a really good front. 
yeah. I have a really good job. I've had the same job for 15 years. I have a decent friend group. And so it's just hard because no one really knows. Mm. And so I don't, it's just hard to talk about sometimes. Like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. It's just, it's bizarre. So I was like, this is maybe a good place for me to even start with my own struggles and my own story. Like my therapist barely gets this stuff out of me. So. Well, well, I applaud you uh, for doing it. Thanks. That's what this whole year has been for me is working on myself and dealing with my demons. So they quit trying to get me. Perfect segue (laughs) to your demons. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them demons, but they're your demons. If you want to call them that for sure. Yeah. Do you have one attempt or more than one? I have one like real attempt and then two very close call. Like they were planned. It just like I had some wherewithal or lack thereof to get myself into a hospital before something actually happened. But the ones that were close. Yeah. But there was one real and that was like my last touch with it, which was a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so like December of 2019, it was a close call. Like I don't really, either it's like really hard to kill yourself or I don't know how I'm here. I don't, I don't, right. I haven't had to, I haven't had my come to Jesus moment with it yet. I don't know if I ever will, but so I don't know what kind of fence I'm riding on the whole thing. So it was December, 2019. Yeah. So a little over a year ago. Okay. And you planned it. Yes. Okay. Did you plan it for a particular day? Was there a particular day you're like, that's the day? I mean, I think I had some kind of idea because it was around Christmas. I mean, everybody's favorite time of the year, the holidays. I'm estranged from my family for about the last 10 years. So the holidays can be weird for Mm -hmm. me. So I had a bunch of days off of work, which is rare for me. And I had booked a ticket to New York City. And I was like, I'll go to New York for the holiday. And like, I don't know, I'll just bum around the city. It's better than being. Solo. Yeah, I do. I occasionally do that. I had already been dealing with a lot of stress and drama from work and just making my life miserable. And I had a little bit of a drinking problem. It was just this cumulative effect on me. The holidays, just like everything. So I didn't get on the plane to New York, but I told everyone I was going. Was that impulsive? The not going? Yes. I don't know why. I just was like, I'm not going to New York. I had horrible anxiety, which is why I was like drinking. So I was like on a weird like bender for like a few days. I didn't get on the plane to New York. And then I was like, that's it. Like no one will like come into this apartment for a few days because I will have been in New York. And so I'm just going to take all these pills Mm-hmm. And I probably drank like two or three bottles of wine. Yeah. I That's mean, I was drinking pretty heavily towards the end of this because I was dealing with some obvious like mental problems, but yeah. I drank, I'm guessing that much and took a load of prescription medication. I don't even know how much, like the 
morning of me doing that, everything up until when I woke up again is gone from my memory. Mm. Like I remember knowing I wanted to do it. And then I woke up like an entire day later, not on my couch. I was like, couldn't see out of one of my eyes, couldn't walk. I was like stumbling around. So I don't remember like taking the pills. I don't remember. So what I think I did is I got myself nice and drunk. Mm -hmm. This is very typical of me to just be like, all right, like I'm going to get the courage to do this, Mm -hmm. which is why I like to drink so that I don't have social anxiety and like deal, you know, it's a, it's a lubricant for me because I come across as an extrovert, but I'm a horrible introvert. So I'm like, I'm going to get myself nice and drunk and then just take all these pills. I'm guessing because I don't remember. And so then when I came to, I am like, I'm alive. Wait, like, am I alive? Because I couldn't really see out of one of my eyes and like everything looked like I was like looking through like a funhouse mirror. Everything was like wonky and wobbly. And I was trying to walk to the bathroom which I live in a big city. So we don't have big apartments. Wasn't a very far walk. And I couldn't, I could barely get there. Like, I think some of it was like me crawling to the bathroom. Some of it was me holding on to the furniture to get there. And I'm trying to look at myself in the mirror and I can't focus. And so I immediately just rifle through the medicine cabinet and try to find more things to take. But I don't, I don't, have much I have like NyQuil I have like whatever and then I found a bunch of pills that clearly I hadn't made into my mouth and I just like took those and just like laid on the couch and just was hoping I would like stop breathing but what happened is I was awake and I couldn't even sleep at this point I wasn't in pain I couldn't feel anything that's concerning yeah. Because now it's you just, don't know what's going to happen like to I, your body. Yeah, mm. so I couldn't open my eyes at this point when I had laid back down. I couldn't move my body. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was working was my mind. And I could feel my breath slow and I just it would be like almost like you taking like every fourth breath. So I'm like, oh, it's starting to slow down. Like here it comes, whatever. And I just remember it being like really hot and like, but my brain wouldn't turn off. And I Mm. was like, am I dead? And this is just what happens is your brain just like lives on. And I was like, this sucks because I can't stop thinking. And this is why I fucking killed myself. (laughs) I'm still thinking, what was the fucking point? Like this sucks. that's, That's hell. Yeah, I was like, this is awful. I don't like know what's going on. And I don't know how long I laid like that for. And everybody find... thinks you're in New York. Yeah. Like everything's <laughs> I'm in New York. This isn't funny, but like it's your story, man. You can laugh. Yeah. So yeah, everyone thinks I'm in New York while I'm like dying in my apartment here, literally and figuratively. And so my brain won't turn off. I still can't move. And so at some point I realized like I can start to move one of my hands, but like one of my sides feels like it's not working. And I feel like that was like the side that like I couldn't see. So I'm like, did I have a stroke? 
I was mm. like, oh, like if I wake up and now I'm like going to be paralyzed, like this is going to be like a drag. Like mm. I'm not okay with this. So I slowly start to come to, I'm like sweaty. I'm sh- like shaking like profusely. I'm realizing like I am going through massive withdrawals from all the stuff that I have ingested. Yeah. I don't really know what to do. Like, I don't want to reach out. I don't want to go to the hospital because I know that they're going to put me in the mental institution, which I had already been in a few months before on my own accord. Yeah. And it kept me safe. But I was mm-hmm. like, I don't want to go back. Like, they're going to keep me there for a long time. I don't want to deal with it. I'm obviously not thinking rationally. I have God knows how much alcohol and drugs in my system at this point. So I like make my way up. I get water, although I can like, I'm still like, I can barely stand. I'm like so shaky. And then I just start throwing up blood. So then I managed to lay back down and realize it's probably like a day and a half later. Like I, it was dark out, but it wasn't dark from like the day before. It was like, it was like the day after what I'm thinking it was. I am supposed to be at work. I like call off work and just tell my boss that I'm having like, you know, a mental breakdown or whatever. And he's used to that. So he doesn't say anything. He just lets me have the time off, but I'm still not feeling okay. So I'm nervous that I did have like a stroke, even though like, I don't feel any permanent damage, but like my hand was like having a hard time, like holding things. So I can realize that I still realize that I was still like detoxing from all of this stuff. So a couple of days later, which is a lot later than I probably should have, I ended up going to the emergency room and I just stayed there because they were really nice. And I knew one of the nurses and they let me medically detox in the emergency room. They didn't like, call anybody. They didn't do anything. They just like hooked me up to all these IVs and gave me Ativan and were really nice to me for like an entire day. And they told me this is not what we normally do. You normally need to go somewhere. And I'm like, I know. And then they gave me some low level like anxiety pills that will help in case I feel like I'm going to have a seizure because they felt like maybe with how much I was withdrawing that that could still be an issue because it usually is the onset is like a couple days afterwards. I had really good care and I just picked up the pieces and carried on with my life, which is a theme I like to do. Um, And instead of going to rehab or like any kind of inpatient, I boarded a plane this time for real. And I went to LA by myself for a week and just ran by the beach and hiked and got my head together while realizing a, that was a close call, very Mm. close call. And then B I was just done drinking. So I've been sober since that attempt too. Really? Yeah. I have not drank since that day. So that's amazing. That's a very hard thing to do. That was my, you know, like I said earlier, my social lubricant, that was my anxiety medicine that became my best friend at the end. That also came to my worst enemy. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be, but it was definitely necessary to get my head 
in the right place. And that's also helped me realize how I keep getting to this point of wanting things to just end because it's a pattern in my life. It doesn't happen all the time. I don't have a ton of attempts, but it's like this pattern that keeps coming up. So Mm. the other attempts you people define attempt differently, but those other ones you kind of said before it actually happened, you got yourself, you stopped it or you got some help. Yeah. So the one right before that was in September of 2019. So they were very close and I had been dealing with a lot of just mental struggles and undiagnosed mental struggles, which are the worst to deal with. And I woke up after a bender. And I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's just, and I sent that text to my boss. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I didn't show up for work, which is unlike me. And I turned off the location on my phone. I like went MIA and I took an Uber to, I was still drunk from the night before, but I took an Uber really early downtown and I walked around trying to find a bridge to jump off of which by the way I'm afraid of height so badly that even just like walking over the bridge I would get like dizzy and so I realized like even though I had been I felt like I was still drunk from the night before I was like I'm not I'm too sober to do this so it's Chicago much like New York bars are open at like seven o'clock in the morning So I decided to go to a bar and drink to get up enough courage to then jump off this bridge. But then I got too drunk because I hadn't eaten in an entire week. And these lovely people somehow got me home. And then when I woke up, I called my boss and I was like, "Uh, take me to the emergency room because I'm going to kill myself if I have any chance. And then I stayed in the mental ward for like three days just to keep me safe. And then I got out and decided to seek help, which really didn't work because then a few months later, right. we you gave away that part of the story. We know how it <laughs> like, guess oh, wait, what? a couple of things though. You sound like you have a very cool boss. Oh yeah. He's great. We have an interesting relationship. We're basically business partners, but not. I've built his company up from the ground. I've worked with him for like 15 years. He's understanding in his own way. He doesn't understand mental health the way I would like him to, mm-hmm. but you know, it's fine. You win some, you lose some. This is true. Yeah. Attitudes up the end. <laughs> win some, you lose some. Okay. Yeah. So you said that you were misdiagnosed or undiagnosed. And then so when you went to the hospital or the care after, did you get a diagnosis that you think might be right? (laughs) So I hear from a lot of people, I speak with a lot of confidence. So it's very easy for me to talk myself in and out of a lot of situations, even with therapists. um, I come across as very put together. So hang on, hang on, on. hold up, hold up. Just a quick thing. I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. However, however, respect to the mental health care uh, community and the doctors out there, they know your type. 
But what I was going to say, fooling them, you need a better doctor. No, but what also I was going to say, I'm horribly stubborn and impatient. So dealing with me is annoying, I'm sure. So it took quite quite a while. Um, I've had the same therapist for like eight or nine years and she's great. She's still in my life. She helps me like patch together little pieces, but I went and found a psychiatrist who kept trying to get me to just admit, like, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have all these things. I had a very traumatic childhood and upbringing and all this stuff. I was like, this isn't related, trying to act like my life isn't like Freudian or something. So I've recently gotten the right diagnoses. So that has been what I've been dealing with for the last year. But it's been good. I mean, what's the diagnosis? Well, obviously, I have horrible anxiety. So I'm on anxiety medication. And then we finally just got to me to admit that I am, I deal with depression. All right. (laughs) I think that's a little win or a big win. Yeah. Which for the longest time, I wouldn't let my therapist use the word depression. I made him say, um, going through something, which is like perpetually me always going through something. Yeah. I'm not a therapist and you don't want that. I get it. I'm just, I have to ask cause I'm curious, right? Yeah. Do you have any idea why it was so hard for you to use that word on yourself? Yeah. I mean, growing up, we weren't allowed to have any kind of emotion in my family. We didn't cry. We didn't celebrate very emotionally distant parents. My father drank himself to death. He also said maybe three words my entire childhood. And this man lived in my house. So it just was like a bad upbringing. And so we weren't allowed to really complain. I mean, I remember my mom like verbatim saying like, no, 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 we don't tell people that we have problems. Like everyone else is dealing with their own things. We don't do that. She just was very like old school and doesn't believe in mental health. And when I went away to college, when I had come back for like a summer or something, I'd mentioned that I had a therapist and she was like, I raised you right. And first of all, no, she didn't. And second of all, yeah, I was like, Okay. I don't know. I don't know if it's a generation thing. She had a very traumatic upbringing too. So like we're, I'm dealing with all this like intergenerational trauma and I'm the only one in my family to want to break it. The only one that's like, I'm not dealing with this. We come from a family of like alcoholics and people died by suicide. Right. right. So let's just be kind of, I'm not trying to call anybody out here, Mm -hmm. but if your family's drinking a lot, and people are killing themselves, you are clearly, like many people, not doing so well. So yeah. it wasn't that your family wasn't was doing any better. It's just this thing about we don't talk about it. Oh, no, for sure. Like, I came from what looked like a very intact family. I had three older si- siblings. You know, I lived in a home. We had vehicles. Uh, my mom and dad were together, but like inside of that house was fucking awful. Midwest. Yeah. I grew up in Minnesota. Zip it up. Go to church. I had a, basically, yeah. I, my family was like very neglectful. Like 
I was the child that wasn't supposed to happen. So I'm the youngest. Um, after they had a boy, they uh-huh. didn't want any more children. Well, guess what? I'm not a boy. Oh, so funny. yeah. And it was told to me at a very young age. Like my dad was like, you were a mistake. And my mom would be like, well, I mean like an oops. And I'm like, same word, just different vernacular. Like I can read between the lines by the time I came around. Cause like my sister's, my oldest sister's 15 years older than I am. There's like a big gap between us. And I think my parents were just literally checked out. Like they didn't want to deal with it. So I was often left alone. I had a very lonely childhood, even though I had siblings, because I was just like left alone a lot. And my family would just be off doing their thing or my mom and dad were just completely checked out. I broke my arm and like my mom didn't take me to the doctor for like three days and like they never went to school conferences and they just didn't, they let me get up even at like six, seven, eight and get myself to school. So like, I never ate like breakfast and like, it just was. Well, what's more fucked up is that that was kind of normal for you. Oh, I didn't know anything different. Right. You don't, that's the real thing later in life that, that makes it, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I didn't like understand. And like, I was like molested at like a young age for quite a while. And then like violently tortured and beaten so that I wouldn't like tell for like most of my time in that house. And then when I went away to college, I went to school out East. I was like, this is how normal people live. Like, fuck, like my whole life has been like a lie. It's been like messed up. Like I just, it kind of, I think I deal a lot with that. Like I didn't understand even until like my early thirties, I didn't understand and wasn't comfortable with people hugging me. Mm -hmm. Like my friend's a therapist and she'd always like joke, but at the same time she was like being dead serious. Like I'm going to hug you now. So that like, I would be like ready for it. To getting assaulted and then Mm -hmm. all of that. Did you, were you able to talk about that with your therapist? That's been a recent development. Not like I have repressed memories. Like I'm just finally now able to talk about it. Man, you have been holding on to stuff for a long time. Yeah, like 30 some years. It's been, I like to bottle things up and then just not deal with it. But I obviously know the consequences of doing that no but it's it's even more uh impressive that you're able to quit booze given what you've just shared yeah and i know that those problems aren't like magically haven't gone like disappeared yeah no that part was hard i mean i guess the world ending and the pandemic made it like a little easier because i didn't feel like oh like everyone's out and i'm not it's like no one no one's out so no i know i don't yeah I can guarantee that if I would have drank during the pandemic, there wouldn't have been this interview wouldn't be happening because there just would have been no way. No, you would have just drank too much. And then probably. Yeah. Cause what? Yeah. Probably the same. Yeah. Same pattern. I don't know. I don't know what kept me sober. (laughs) Did you, so your doctor gave you some meds for your anxiety and your depression. Is that helping? Yeah. The depression medication is we're a month in. And so I'm an interesting case, or maybe it's not interesting. The anxiety 
I've been on anxiety medicine for like a year and it's been better, but I still would have it. And then going through all this extensive therapy about my past and about the abuse has been within the last few months. And so it brings up a lot for me. Like, I don't look that people are like, Oh, I love therapy. I'm like, I fucking hate it. Like, I just want to be like, Oh, just send me the bill. Like, I just don't want to like deal with this. Um, and then I have like horrible nightmares afterwards and Mm. it's just, it usually stays with me like afterwards. So I rearrange my work schedule so that I don't have to go to work after I have therapy because I can't like, it's just, it's too much, but that you go. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, I, I'll just fall into the same pattern if I don't go Mm. like, and it'll kill me. Like, I feel like my past will end up just like smothering me to death. So I just should deal with it. It sounds like you don't want to die. Not anymore. Yeah. And I know you've like, I've heard like people on this podcast talk about, you know, like, did you want to die or did you just not want to feel in pain? And like, I have become so numb to the point where like, if you were to ask me that question, it wouldn't be about feeling the pain anymore because I don't even know how I register that everything just feels like heavy. And it's Mm. like, I was tired of picking up that weight and carrying on every day. So maybe that's a form of pain, but I just didn't want to deal with it. And I didn't want to like think about it anymore. And so that's why I guess (laughs) when I thought I was dead and my brain was still working, I'm like, is this hell? Like, this is hell. This is what happens when you die and you go to hell, like my brain is still thinking, God, I hope that doesn't happen. But when you got better from that, after you went to the hospital and they cleaned you up and hooked you up, were you like, basically like, man, I wish I weren't here. I tried. I didn't, I'm still here. Or was it like, oof, okay, I'm still here. It was neither of those things. I guess it was just like, I am here. Killing myself is apparently very hard. And I don't think, I want to do it again or try. And then I got scared that I was going to like, you know, give myself a stroke or like end up like a vegetable or something. I don't know. Like I made them give me like, like a CAT scan and EKG. I was like, I want to make sure there's nothing wrong with my brain or my heart. Like there was nothing. Cause I was like, I think I had a stroke. They're like, you didn't have a stroke, but they were just like, whatever, just give her the fucking CAT scan. (laughs) like sick of her get her out of here (laughs) so i had like a little fear instilled in me but not like a or like rejoicing like i found like my second coming and now i'm just like this tell the world and start my own podcast and be yes like motivational speaking tour no thanks (laughs) so you said earlier that you have friends i do that's a sign of like something positive i'm not trying to like make things great here some people with fucked up childhoods they just don't bond period right i've had a hard time with interpersonal relationships like my relationships get really messy romantic yeah my romantic relationships tend to get like messy because i've had a lot of like sexual abuse and like i don't know how to like open up to people and then i also keep 
all of my, I've kept all of my past away from everyone. And so I could never even see, even though I'd be with somebody long-term, I could never look at that person and be like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you because I could never, ever be comfortable enough to tell them what happened to me. And I feel like I couldn't be with somebody that didn't know that because it's like, that's a huge part of my life. And it's a huge part of what has made me. But I like to this day, I've never looked at someone and thought like, I'm going to spend my life with you. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to tell this part. There's such irony there. Yeah. It's just like, I'm not going to spend my life with you because I'm not telling you this thing. Yeah. You can't win there. You you can't win. I know. And it's like, I would just end up pushing people away or breaking up with them before they could get too close to me. Um, If I felt myself spiraling, I would save them from that, (laughs) that drama. Sometimes I did it and they had to see that and whatever, but I have had a problem with not understanding like boundaries. And so some of my friendships get too close and too weird. And then I have to push it away. I have had like a lot of interpersonal relationship problems, like just in general, but Mm -hmm. I do have a core group of friends that have somehow stuck by me. Do they know? Not really. I haven't talked to any of my family in 10 years. And so they understand that I don't talk to my family, but they also understand don't push the issue on asking Angela too much because she'll cut you off. Yeah. People learn exactly what they can do and not do. Yeah. It's like, don't push that button because she'll never talk to you again. So they clearly know like something's wrong, but I don't think they know the extent of it. And you're not going to tell them about this episode of the podcast. I haven't decided. (laughs) I told my therapist about it and he was like, well, what is it? I'm like, I'm not telling you. Of course. course. Although I might, because he might find it insightful, but I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting better at like talking about my feelings. I have a really hard time asking for help. Surprise, surprise. So I've been trying to let myself be a little bit more vulnerable. It's weird and I don't like it, but mm. um, I don't know. So maybe I'll send this to somebody. One of, yeah. One of them. yeah. I mean, and also it's possible, unlikely, but possible they'll find it. Yeah. Like you can't undo that. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, you, know, you know, you can always say, don't put it out and I won't put it out. Don't worry. Yeah. No, um, oh my God, no. I was thinking, I wonder if she's been in a romantic relationship because you'd said the thing about hugging. I was like, maybe she doesn't do that at all. Okay, it's you know? taken me a while. Um, it would also be part of the reason why I would drink mm. is it would help me kind of get over the hump of, oh, no pun intended there at all. That's a good um, pun. It would help me get through the kind of the first part of dating. Mm-hmm. But I've had people be like, this is going really well. Like, why aren't we sleeping together? It's been like a month or like, I'm like, oh, I'm weird. I'm just, I'm I'm shy. (laughs) I'm nervous. I would just be like, oh, don't touch me. Like, be like, okay. 
but I don't know. How many times in your life have you responded to someone like where like they're saying something and you're just like, I, I, I'm weird. Oh, like once a day. Right. <laughs> thousands of thousands, yeah. right? Just like, I'm weird. Everyone's like, okay. We'll we have our go-to off. things, right? I haven't been doing it as much lately, but I've, I had a thing where like, I'm a dick. Just chuck, I'm a dick. Like before <laughs> they were even done, I was like, I'll just tell you right now. I get an <laughs> asshole. Okay. And that's that. And yeah, it was like just very natural to just be like, I'm weird. Just, I'm weird. Uh, just deal with it. All right. So do you think that you'll try again? I can't say for sure. I hope I don't. Like I've been pretty on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah. The anxiety, oh, the depression medicine, which also treats anxiety. So I'm on both of those. So what I've discovered, what we've discovered recently is that while I'm getting used to this, like in my system, it's cut out the anxiety completely, but the anxiety was like fueling me from kind of leaning into the depression. And so now that that's gone, I kind of was like, oh, I feel like shit. Like, I don't really like where this is going. I think I've been here before. It doesn't feel as extreme, but I kind of wrote it out and it only lasted like a week. So now I feel like everything's evening out. So I don't know. I got nervous. I was like, if I wake up and I feel like this every day, I'm going to fucking be done. Like I can't, I didn't sign up for this. I would rather have the anxiety that (laughs) deal with this but yeah. it just took be, a little bit mm, yeah. meds are tricky meds can be really really tricky yeah so it took like like a couple of weeks to get it in and then i was like all right i'm starting to feel like normal again because i felt mm-hmm. like such a slug i'm like a get up at six go for a run before i go to you work are? I'm a, yeah i've run a marathon i've done all that crap when i was like first on this medication i was like barely crawling out of bed before seven and just being like, Oh, I don't even want to do, I don't want to paint. I'm a painter. I'm an artist. I'm like, I don't want to paint. I just want to lay in my bed and watch Dateline, Dateline true crime and have fucking nightmares because of it. But I don't know. So you've run marathons. You're a paint, like a fine artist painter. Yes. I do non-objective painting. So abstract what? Non-objective. So like an abstract. All art is non-objective. Not really. Like you don't have like, an, you're not, well, maybe. Everything's subjective. It's art. True. What but makes this art non-objective? I'm not painting an object, non-objective. Oh. I'm an abstract artist. So you're painting like just feelings or colors or Kinda, shape. Yeah, I do. Not like, a horse. Exactly. I mean, I can do that. I'm, I can, I have done it all. I've done all sorts of genres, but. Is that what you went to school for? No, no, I I started painting in high school, but kept it kind of a secret from my family because they, they wouldn't have understood. I'm the black sheep of the family. They wouldn't have understood. It would have been laughed at. They wouldn't have spent like the time or the money to like get me into the courses I needed. I actually snuck these courses in at school because my mom didn't want me to take art classes. So like a movie there, man. That's a, that's a plot of a movie. Yeah, I think so. So I just would kind of keep it to myself. And then I started painting again when I was like 30. And then I don't know. It kind of awesome. came and came and went. 
as I was dealing with life, but. But I mean, given what you've gone through in your painting and running and then helping in the business world, like you're a bit of a Renaissance person, no? I am a little bit. I feel like I'm pretty well-versed. I keep myself somewhat occupied. Yeah. So traveled the world, you know, I've done some stuff. How many countries have you counted? No, my last trip was, I went on a yoga retreat in Tulum. So I was in Mexico. Ooh. Um, right before that, I was in Japan and then in Thailand for a while. Been to Korea by myself. Nice. I probably made my life miserable here and had a shitty breakup and then was like, I'm fucking going to Thailand. That's usually how I would do that. I'd have done all that. I'd be the exact same way. I just have the money. Yeah. If I had the oh, money. yeah. I'm yeah. glad you had a little bit of little cash. Yeah, I make okay money. So, any myths? Myths uh, around suicide attempts? Well, not a lot money? of people know about it. There's very few people in my life that know until this comes out. But one person that I am close with, and one person who I trust and respect and knows about this told me that I am smarter than that. Smarter than what? Trying to kill myself. And I was like, what does that mean? I have no idea. And I wanted to be like, God, if I was just an idiot, maybe I wouldn't feel all of this. Like, I don't know. I was like, I wish I wasn't bright or whatever. Then maybe the plight of the world wouldn't feel so heavy. Like, it just was like stupid. It was like a an ignorant thing to say. It yeah. was like not helpful in any way. I just was like, I'm just going to chalk it up to you don't know what to say. And that came out of your mouth and you're an idiot. Did you say that? No, because I was in the hospital. I was like literally like locked up when he said it. And I'm kind of like, oh, I just. So. I'm I'm not picking on this person, but and I, it may not be. I'm you know you can't take these things always like literally, but yeah. it's suggesting that there's a connection between intelligence, however that's defined. Yeah, and there is absolutely no proof of that. No, like in fact, none. In fact, I don't have data on this, but if anything, it leans a little bit towards. I agree. Smarter, more likely, at least to be yeah. depressed, maybe not to kill themselves. Yeah. I agree. It was just stupid and like, whatever. We all say stupid things. Like, I'll just leave it. We say stupid things, but we can also call someone up a week later and be like, that was kind of stupid what I said. Yeah. I mean, he's shown up for me in other ways. I'll just let his actions, like maybe I should just tape his mouth and just not let him talk and then things would be fine. But that's an option. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is (laughs) probably save him in the long run but but yeah that's the only thing that i heard but i also like nobody really knows i mean i told my best friend about my bridge episode and all she did was like hysterically cry on the phone and it made me sad so i just didn't tell her anymore because i just was like i don't know how to deal with my own emotions and a lot of times i don't have any because they're so repressed i can't deal with somebody else's like tears i don't understand what those are like you don't cry i cried once last year i could probably tell you the date too was something major 
I think it was like the first time I told really let down my guard about like the sexual abuse with my therapist. And then afterwards I was like, okay, whatever. Cause I just rounded it off. Like we're just talking right now. Then after I got off like my little zoom call with him, I was like, do to do. And then I was like, Oh, like something doesn't feel right. Like, and then I just hysterically cried for like 10 minutes and then I was done. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't happen very often. I could get myself to cry if I was like really drunk, but then I wouldn't remember it. So I was like, that was fruitless because I don't even remember why I cried probably because I hated my life. But So given that you went your major attempt, you had planned it and then you did that thing with New York and you stayed home. <laughs> you didn't say goodbye to anyone. I imagine then. No, even in a note, even in a note. No, I think maybe I meant to, I have no idea. I think, Oh, this is what I thought I was going to, do I <laughs> I don't know why this is like funny to me I just remembered this I think I was gonna like leave the password to my phone as in a post-it note that was gonna be my suicide note so that people could get into my phone I don't know why it's not like what's in there but you know, see a bunch of pictures of my cat I don't have no idea do you think there's anything that anyone could have done or said no. the week uh, uh, nothing would have changed late December no. 2019. No, like even I've been thinking about this. There just wasn't like I, there would have been nothing that anybody could have said. And even my therapist who I have, I have two therapists. So like the newer one that I'm like telling more and like developing this new relationship with, he had just started seeing me you know, I show up at his office like a few days after the attempt, just trying to tell him in so many words that he isn't like, you're going to the mental institution. I'm trying to tell him like, I got it. I got it under wraps. And I just remember he looked at me because this was pre COVID. So we could actually like be in the same room. He was like, I'm here. Like, you're not alone. Like, why didn't you say anything to me? And in my head, I'm like, idiot, you would have tried to stop me. I don't want you. I did not want you to stop me. Like, it's weird for people to hear that because I think people think that we do these things and it's just like this huge cry for attention. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I made sure like no one had any idea it was going to happen. Like I was on a plane to another city. In some ways, it reminds me, it's a bit of a stretch here when people, you know, I've had my my times of drinking a lot too. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, oh, wait, you know, so you could go to AA and but I'm like, AA, I don't think you understand. I want to drink. Make You're making these assumptions and going, jumping all the way into like how we can make it better. I'm like, dude, I want to drink. Like I get, I understand where you're coming from. I realize it's not healthy and there's a problem. I get it. But like tonight, I'm not going to a fucking meeting. I'm drinking. <laughs> yeah. I would prefer that. I'm not even close to hitting rock bottom. Get away from me. If people aren't ready for help, they're not going to just be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me do that. Because that's, has that ever worked? It doesn't, I don't think it's ever worked. No. You know what like, it does? If, if you have a, if you have a kid who's going through stuff, you kind of force them to make it work, even though it probably doesn't work. But with adults, I don't think it's ever worked ever once. No. It doesn't like, I don't think so. Yeah. You have to like, just have that moment where you realize like, this is it. What else do you want to share 
with uh, me and then by proxy others? I don't know. I guess I'm getting over the stigma of talking about it. Obviously I feel like women always take like the brunt of everything when it comes to this sort of thing. So they definitely don't want to talk about depression or being mentally ill or suicide. I don't know. It's just, I feel like the times we're living in, it's gotta be like on the rise or like, I kind of like keep myself away from the news as much as possible. Cause it's so depressing. Not like that stuff gets reported on accurately anyways, but I don't know for me, like listening, I just was like, Oh, you know, normal people deal with this. It's not super rich or super poor or some kind of class or like, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle or what kind of upbringing. I mean, obviously my upbringing was shit, but that doesn't mean people aren't inherently dealing with mental struggles just chemically or from other trauma. I don't know. I think, well, rich people tend to get better treatment for what it's worth, but yeah. And I've been very fortunate to have really good treatment, but I am just lucky that way. I also, you know, have paid out the ass for it. So I see my therapist and pay cash. (laughs) So when you find that connection, I just don't even care what it costs. I've been to a bunch of different therapists and this one just works. I'm just like, whatever, it's fine. I hope you're not retiring anytime soon, Nathan, if you're listening to this. Hello, Nathan. Nathan's probably uh, thinking, who is this guy? Is he a therapist? Is he a counselor? Is he certified? Yeah. No, Nathan, I'm, I'm just a guy. Just so you know. Is Angela going to backtrack after this episode? I'm just kidding. Do you have any vacations planned for the, this year? No. I have like five canceled tickets because of COVID. So I probably have like thousands of dollars worth of you know, American Airlines miles Mm. that I need to use, but I don't know. I'm fully vaccinated and have been since January. And I'm still, I'm just uneasy about the world yet. How how did you get vaccinated so early? I technically work in a healthcare field, even though it's a very obscure way to skirt around it. But yeah, I've been vaccinated since January. So, but my friends are just now getting vaccinated. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I'll feel better. Really, I just want my best friend in California to get vaccinated so I can see her. This is, mm. this is the longest we haven't seen each other. It's been like almost two years. So Wow. Yeah. So, and her family is like my family. So I like miss them a lot. Did they know about your past? No, but... They took me in for like my first two summers in college, like instead of really spending much time in Minnesota, I would just like live with her and her family in California. In California? hmm Yep. You know, when you say Minnesota, you, we now, we can hear the Minnesotan. I know. It took me a really long time to get rid of the accent. And so, but when I say certain words, it'll sure. come out. Yeah. So, ready? I'm going to do, I'm going to say that state's name. Tell me how I'm doing. Ready? I'm going to say it the way I would say if I were from that state. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Minnesota. That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I went to college in Pittsburgh and like 
like the first day people are like, oh my God, you're from Minnesota. And I'm like, I am, but like, how did everybody know? It's like not on my name tag, like at orientation. And everyone's like, we can tell. And I'm like, you didn't guess like North Dakota or like Iowa or like why why Minnesota? I guess it's just fucking Fargo, the damn movie. Like, oh, yeah, even though Fargo's in North Dakota, whatever. But yeah, no, that everyone would be like, oh my God, that's the girl from Minnesota, just from the way that I talked. But at least they're talking about you. True. Um, But I've lived a bunch of places, so I've gotten rid of this accent. For the most part, well, for the most part, and Minnesota is it makes more sense. I think there are more people living there than the Dakotas, so statistically, true. No more like it's a good guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for talking with me. No problem. Well, I'm nice glad you didn't. You. I'm glad you uh, didn't die. Me too. And I didn't have any awful long term injuries. You healthy. Healthy. Yes. All right. My last question for sure is: Yes, do you have another tattoo planned? Um, I want to finish up the rest of my sleeve. So it'll probably be some bunch of stuff going up the rest of my arm. Um, bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Some flowers. I don't know. Nothing significant. Have you ever seen that meme where it's like the ladies, like this person came up to me and was like, you know, do your tattoos mean anything? And she's like, hey, buddy, my life doesn't mean anything. Like, my tattoos mean anything. Like, that's pretty <laughs> funny, but it's kind of like that. All right. Stay well. For real. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Ciao. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Angela over in Illinois. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Suicide Noted. And I've got another podcast. So if you're into stories and you want to hear some solid stories and maybe learn a little bit more about it and get better... Check it out. I'll put that information in the show notes. It's called Grit, True Stories That Matter. That is all for episode number 54. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.